everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, it's a good day to be here on New Hope Radio and the Hope Club podcast. I'll tell you why. Because we're going to begin a brand new series. And I think it's a very vital series for the Christian. And I think also for the non-Christian, whoever, whatever person might hear this that is at this point far from God. Because the series is entitled, It's Time to Get Real with God. Oh yeah. It's time to get real. Now I'm not saying we're not real with God as followers of Christ, those that are. But what I want to cover in this series is what it looks like when we are real with God. I like that. Think about it. Someone can say, yeah, I'm real with God, but what does it look like when you're real with God? And is what we're going to talk about, is that what's happening in your life? Oh, that's what we're going to see in this series. You know why? I don't want anybody to be deceived or self-deceived. So we always go back to the Word of God. Okay, what does that say about being real with God? Well, we know one thing. It's easy in our human frame, isn't it? To what? It's easy in our human frame to become complacent. What does it mean to be complacent? It means to become self-satisfied, content, even self-righteous. We know that in our human frame, it's easy to become indifferent. What does it mean to be indifferent, uncaring, unsympathetic? Oh, how about this? Mediocre. Ah, you don't want to be mediocre. It's also easy in our human frame to become dull. Are you dull? That means monotonous, lackluster. Do you have luster or do you lack luster? (laughs) Are you lifeless? Right? The people have to nudge you to see if you're alive. Spiritually, we're talking. Okay? So, if any of those things are happening in our life, we don't want to live there. We might visit there once in a while. Yeah, we might visit being complacent or indifferent. But we don't want to live there. No, we don't want to stay there. That's why I want you to know, here's our theme today. There is no prize for second place. (laughs) Think about that. There is no prize with God for second place. You say, what's he talking about? Well, here's what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. And it's interesting that he said this to the Corinthians, and I'll show you why. He said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Wow, what does that mean? That his life revolves around the gospel. And here's why. So that I may become a fellow partaker of it. All right? So this is what Paul lives for. He gets it. Paul gets what life is all about. It's about the gospel. I don't know how many believers get it. Probably not the majority. But some do, thankfully. 
So here's the point. Remember yesterday I said, what's the point? You're always going to make a point. What's the point of this? Living for the sake of the gospel, saving souls, and changing lives is what this life is all about for the Christian. Oh, that means it's a God-centered life. Our life is meaningful to others. It has a value to others, okay? So, in verse 22, Paul explains how he does it. How is it that he lives for the gospel? I like what he said. He said, to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. Think about that. What does that mean? To the weak, he became the weak. He became weak, and he becomes all things to all men. I think he gets into the lives of people. That's what he does. He gets into their lives. He's not separated from them. See, when he was a Pharisee, he was separated from people. But now that he's Paul the Apostle, oh, he's not separated. To shepherds, he talks about sheep and goats. To fishermen, he talks about fish and boats. To the ice cream man, he talks about Sundays and floats. (laughs) To businessmen, he talks about investing and the economy. You see, when you're all things to all men, you just don't talk about God, but you talk about what interests them. And talk about God will find its way into the conversation. See, and that might sound heretical to some. That's okay. But when you talk to people about what interests them, it shows that you're interested in them and you value them. And when you value them, they feel valued. And then, oh, here it comes. They're willing to now listen to what's important to you. Okay? I believe that's how Paul lives for the sake of the gospel. Now, his inspiration for everyone else is to get involved. And why? Because there's no prize for second place. Are you living your life in such a way where it's like, well, if I come in second, that's good enough for me. There's no prize for second place. We're not running the Boston Marathon. The Boston Marathon, if people just finish it, they're happy. (laughs) I finished the marathon. They're not even thinking about winning. They just want to finish it. That's where I would be. I finished it, (laughs) and I didn't drop. I'd be happy with that. But that's not the Christian life. The Christian life, you're going to see, is about winning. Say, well, why do you say that? Well, in verse 24, Paul said, here's what Paul said. I'm just telling you what he said. I'm not making this up. He said, do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run? Well, yeah, that's true, Paul. Everybody in the race runs. We get that. But only one receives the prize. That's true. There's only one first place. And then he said this, run in such a way that you may win. He didn't say run in such a way that you may finish. Or run in such a way that you come in, hey, the top three. No. Run in such a way that you may win. Now, why is Paul talking like this? Because the Corinthians, they're Greeks, 
And they could identify with this analogy because in Corinth, there were held the Isthmian Games, Isthmian Games, okay? Second only to the Olympic Games. Now, today we, we know about the Olympic Games every four years, but the Isthmian Games were held more often every other year. And they were Greek activities. So the Corinthians being Greeks, oh yeah, they understood all about these games. To the Greek athlete, there was no higher honor, no higher purpose than to win the crown. And you know what the crown was? A laurel crown. It was a high honor to win it, even though in a few days, it would just wither away. Dried up. I guess unless you put some polyurethane on it or something, if they had any in those days. So the point is this. All run, but only one wins. And there is no prize for second place. See, Paul wants these Corinthian Christians to see the diligence required to win in the Christian life. You know, the Christian life is a diligent life. It's not a que sera, sera life. Oh, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see, que sera, sera. That's not, that's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is an intentional life. It's a life we live on purpose. Paul said in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games exercises, oh, here it comes, self-control, but wait a minute, in all things. Not just self-control and doing push-ups or self-control in jogging, but self-control in what? Nutrition. Self-control in rest and sleep. Self-control in the company they keep. They don't want anything to get in the way of their winning the prize. That's the mindset of the athlete. And Paul is saying, you know, as God's people, we should have that mindset. Don't let anything get in the way of winning the prize. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. He says, oh, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. He says, here's the difference. Here's the difference with God's people. Are you kidding me? That what God gives us as a prize, it lasts forever. What the athlete gets, and eh, a week or two, it's gone. They have a lot of benefits that they get as well. Financial benefits, things like that. But the wreath, it's gone. Our wreath is an incorruptible crown. And it lasts for all of eternity. So when Paul said that we all compete, okay? Everyone who competes in the games, right? Now, the word compete is the word agonizomai, to compete for a prize, to accomplish something. This is where we get our word agonize. Yeah, agonize. When you compete, you are agonizing. It's not easy to compete, and it's not even easier to win. The one that wins is the one that agonizes the most. They stay in the race. They stay in the fight. They rise to the occasion. They've got their eye on the goal. And they do everything they can 
to win. You know why? Because there's no prize for second place. So he said, everybody who competes in the games exercises self-control. Self-control is self-restraint. And this is in the Greek grammar, this is a middle voice. And what does that mean? Whenever there's a middle voice, it means that there's a benefit bestowed to the one that's doing it. So you could say it's for your own good. When you exercise self-control, a benefit comes back to you. It's for your own good. That's the middle voice, okay? For some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just America. People don't seem to major in self-control. Maybe because we have too much. Maybe because there's too many choices. You know, we have too many choices for television, too many choices for junk food, too many choices with things to do and places to go. So there's no place for self-control. But if you're going to win with God, these are one of the disciplines that we have to develop. Self-restraint, self-control. And like I said, there's always a benefit that comes back to you. And Paul said, yeah, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Now he says, and because I really believe this, Paul believes what he's saying. How many preachers believe what they say? (laughs) You think all of them? I doubt it. I don't think so. I think there's preachers, they get up there and preach, but they really don't believe it. But that's another story for another time. But in verse 26, he said, listen, therefore, and he's going to use himself as an example, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. So Paul is using two athletic examples to show the Corinthians how he's living his Christian life. He runs in such a way as not without aim. In other words, he's got his eye on the finish line. He's not running through people's yards. (laughs) He's got his eye on the finish line. And he boxes in such a way, not beating the air. He doesn't waste punches. He doesn't run uncertainly. You know, he has a certainty about his run, about his life. He's living living his life intentionally, on purpose. What he does, he plans it out. And he does it intentionally. He says, I don't run with uncertainty. I know the course and which way to go. He knows the race course. He knows where to go. He knows about the distractions, and he's not going to fall for the distractions. He's going to keep his eyes on the goal. He says, it's like, I don't have eyes on the spectators waving to them as I go by. <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not running this race waving to everybody like he's in a parade. No, he's focused. You know why? He wants to win. That's why. He wants to win. You know, we can be focused too. And you know how we're focused? Here it comes. By the word of God. Oh, yeah. Because Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's how you stay focused. He used the analogy of boxing. I box in such a way as not beating the air. In other words, I make every punch count. That means it's calculated. The things in his life are calculated. He's not like, hey, Paul, what do you want to do today? 
I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. You got anything you want to preach about? I don't, I don't know. No, that's not Paul. His life is calculated. He knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. Why? Because there's no prize for second place. That's all. Every missed punch is an energy drain. Every time you miss the guy, you wear yourself out. Then he said in verse 27, it gets worse, everybody. (laughs) But I discipline my body and make it my slave. So that, here's the reason, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Yeah. See, Paul uses the figure of boxing to represent the Christian life. He does not aimlessly beat the air, but he severely disciplines his own body in service to Christ. Isn't it interesting how, to Paul, the Christian life is not just about the spirit and the soul, but there's a physical aspect to his relationship with God. And so so it is with us. Right? Didn't Paul tell the Romans, present your bodies a living sacrifice to God? Didn't he say, I discipline my body? You can't separate who we are. We are body, soul, and spirit. So when we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're loving him with our body, our soul, and our spirit. Okay? So he says, I discipline myself. You know what the word discipline literally means? to hit under the eye, to subdue. It's like to punch somebody in the eye. That's what it means. It's like I punch myself in the eye. I subdue myself. So again, he's he's introducing the physical aspect of his walk with God. He's talking about bringing under submission his ears, his eyes, his mouth, his hands, his feet. You think it would do well if we brought all of those things that we have under submission, especially our mouth? Oh, our mouth can get us in trouble, right? Oh, yeah. What comes in, what goes out? (laughs) We have to watch it constantly because it'll mess us up. He says, I make my body my slave. His body is a slave to his heart. Why? Because his heart is where the Word of God is stored. So the heart is like control central. And the heart tells the body what to do. So he fills his heart with the Word of God, and then he submits his body to his heart. And bingo! you got a great Christian life. You're going to win. Psalm 119 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart. I mean, stored it away that I might not sin against you. So Paul is protecting his testimony as an apostle and as a follower of Jesus Christ. He's got his eye on the goal, and self-discipline is the key. Okay? See, that's the Christian life. And we would do well to abide in these principles, because you want to finish first. There's no prize for second place. And you say, oh, why do I have to win? Why can't I just be saved? Well, you know why? Because that's how you give glory to God. That's how. And we have been created 
to give God glory. So as we earn rewards, we give God glory. As we reveal Christ in the world, we give God glory. We win the prize, we give God glory. That's why you can't be, you know, lazy and selfish if you love God. You can't be. So that's why this is one of those messages that creates some real self-introspection, looking at ourselves. Hmm. How much am I really serious about my salvation and the Christian way of life? So let me give you a summary of what we've seen today. Life is a battle. It is. William Barclay said, a flabby soldier cannot win battles. It's true. You got to be in the best shape you can. And we're talking spiritually today. Secondly, to win the race requires discipline. We have to discipline our mind, fill it with truth. We have to discipline our heart, guard it from loving the world. We have to discipline our soul, be aware of how we perceive life and people. We have to discipline our body, good health and strength, and get your body to church. Thirdly, we need to know our goal. I think too many people today, Christians too, they live aimless lives, drifting, for the most part, from crisis to crisis. There are people like that. They don't have any joy. It's from one crisis to another crisis to another crisis. Why? Because they're not living a calculated life. You got to calculate. You know, when you bake a cake, right? You got to calculate the ingredients. You got to measure this much flour, this many eggs, this much oil, this much whatever. And everything's calculated. And when it's calculated properly, it comes out very good. And so it is with our life. And if you don't calculate your life, it's not going to come out that good. Paul was intentional about his life. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to guard myself. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to get my mind protected. I'm going to keep my eye on the goal. And he's a great apostle. So we don't want to live from crisis to crisis. Oh, and we don't want to live from pleasure to pleasure. That's that's the world. Pleasure to pleasure. No. So where are you going? Maybe that's the question we all have to ask ourselves, present company included. Oh, yeah, I'm in this too. When I preach to people, I'm preaching to me. Don't you worry. I guess I could ask myself, where am I going? Am I just going anywhere? Am I going nowhere? Or am I going somewhere? Hmm. I have to answer that question. Fourthly, summary of today's message, we cannot serve others until we master ourselves. Oh, wow. We cannot serve others until we master ourselves. We can't teach what we don't know, right? We cannot bring others to Christ if we don't know him. You got to know Jesus in order to bring people to the Jesus you know, right? Doesn't the Bible say, be able to give a hope for the reason that's in you, for the faith that's in you? No. What is it? Give a reason for the hope that's in you. I think Peter said that. You've got great hope, right? Hope in Christ. But give a reason. Have an explanation as to why you believe the way you do. 
So let's make an application of this today. Here's some su- suggestions that you can, you can do with your life. Get into the lives of other people. We saw that in verse 22. Live for the gospel. We saw that in verse 23. Run to win. We saw that in verse 24. Exercise self-control. We saw that in verse 25. Live with certainty. We saw that in verse 26. And discipline your heart and your body. We saw that in verse 27. Wow, see how the Word of God speaks to us? It's alive, and it speaks to us. So think about it. Here's our final exhortation. Paul said this one to the Philippians. They were a piece of work too sometimes. <laughs> but in Philippians 2.16, he said, Hold fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. See, they were his students. He's saying, man, hang on to what I taught you so I don't look foolish. That I want my ministry to you, Philippians, to be a ministry that God was pleased with, but that depends on you and how you abide in the Word of God. Think about that. Maybe every pastor could say that. He depends on his congregation to do what? Abide in the Word of God so he will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think that's important. That's a goal that all of us want to have. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you know what the next part is? Enter into the joy of the Master. Well, next time we're together in our series, it's time to get real with God. You know what we're going to learn about? Bad company. Not the band, the relationships. Bad company. That'll get in the way. Oh, and you know what happens. How many believers have fallen away because of bad company? And bad company doesn't mean they're wicked, rotten, evil, sinful. It just means... They don't want God. That's all. We don't need God. We're all set. Okay. That's bad company for the person that's serious about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for coming along today and for accepting the challenge, because this is a challenge. Here's one more. Join the Hope Club. Go to newhoperadio.live. Read all about it on the menu bar. $3 a week. It'll be a big help to us, and we'll send you an email every day. Have a great day.